0: I want to welcome all of our campuses. I want to welcome those that are joining us at our South Shore campus, Gulf Coast Online, all the men and women as well at the Orleans Justice Center and here at Little Creek. Come on, can we just welcome all the campuses that are joining us right now live. So excited to have all of you. We are in a three-part message today, week two. Uh, We're talking about unity. What is unity? By the way, wonderful ideal. Let's be unified. I mean, who doesn't want to be unified, right? Right. It's an awesome ideal. We all want that, and yet it's so hard to experience. Whether it's in the home, whether it's in a church, an organization, in a community, it's hard. How do you achieve unity? What are the principles of unity? What's our part? What's God's part? What's everybody else's part? Now, last weekend, we learned uh, that division devours Division devours, but we also learned that unity breeds tremendous possibilities. Speaking of unity and unity in the home, I read something funny this week about a Sunday school teacher that was, she had her six-year-old class, and she was talking about Uh, just different commandments in the Bible, and she was teaching them about uh, one of the Ten Commandments, honor thy father and mother. And she just, on a whim, she just said uh, to the class, is there any commandment that teaches you how to treat your brothers and sisters? And one boy just jumped up and said, yes, ma'am. And she said, what's that? He goes, thou shalt not kill. (laughs) I mean, you know, that's unity, right? Unity in The home, our theme verse for our series, uh, by the way, uh, next weekend we'll finish this up and then we start, we start our Christmas series. It's here, right? We are right here. Our theme verse for this is found in Matthew chapter 12. Matthew chapter 12. Jesus is talking, here's what he says. Every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation or destruction. And every city, let me pause there for a moment. As long as people are talking, as long as Jesus mentioned kingdom, it's so grand. Yeah, that's right. I mean, it's still kind of out there, right? I mean, every kingdom divided. I mean, it's kind of up there. It's out there. Is that the kingdom of God, kingdom of heaven? Yeah, It just, it doesn't, it's like we don't grip it. But then he gets a little bit closer to home. So every kingdom divided, remember divided, die, Latin word two, divided, division, two visions. Any kingdom divided will be brought to desolation. All right, we got it, Jesus. But wait a minute, he gets closer. And every city, uh uh-oh, that's where we live, a community, in cities. Wait, he even brings it closer. Any what? Say it. House. As long as it's a kingdom, it doesn't apply to me. I mean, that's just somewhere up there, who knows where. But every community, every, every city, uh-oh, every house, that's real close, divided against itself, will not say it, stand. Man, <clears throat> it's a pretty powerful concept that is laid out here, and uh, we talked about that verse, and I taught out of it last week. By the way, if you're a guest, all of our stuff's online. If you want to stay with us, uh, you can go back and listen to it, but I trust that some people had some deep soul-searching conversations this week. Those of you that are married, it seems like this was not a marriage series, but it seems like we're we're, we're going in that a little bit more than the other application. maybe you had to ask yourself last week i know that every time i teach a message like this i ask myself am i part of the solution or am i creating more of the problem maybe you as businessmen and women you had to ask yourself on teams that you lead in, are you are you breeding unity in the team that you're leading or are you an agent of division by maybe your words or your actions? We, 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 we have to ask ourselves that, right? I mean, I mean when, we, when we hear a message like last week, when we read a verse like this, we've got to ask ourselves, are we, part of, are we part of the divisive crowd or are we part of the unity group? Are we adding or are we subtracting? Are we multiplying or are we dividing? Today, I want to talk to you about two different aspects of unity I wanna to talk to you about natural unity. What are the components of natural unity? But then I wanna bring it a step further, and I wanna compare and contrast that with supernatural unity. I wanna talk about natural unity and supernatural. What are the components of natural unity, and what are the components of supernatural unity? If you, if you have your Bible, I know a lot of people don't bring it anymore, they look on their phone, I, don't, I, I like that, that's fine, as long as you're not watching the news, amen? We have cameras all around all of our campuses evaluating. They're looking down. Okay, I'm just telling you. I'm just, okay, here we go. Genesis chapter 11 and Acts chapter 2. You can open up to two places. I want to talk to you about natural unity for a moment. Natural unity. I want to talk about the strengths of natural unity, but I also want to talk about one of the potential drawbacks. Genesis chapter 11, let me give you a little bit of backdrop where we are. The very first book of the Bible, again, the Bible is divided into the Old Testament, and the New Testament, all right? The very first book of the Old Testament is Genesis, which means beginnings to the Genesis. It's the first, it's the beginning. Genesis chapter 11 happens four chapters after the great flood, Noah in the flood. The earth is populating, People are being born, it's growing, there's a development. And we come on Genesis chapter 11 and there's a very interesting thing that happens here and it really details the power of natural human unity. What are the principles? We're going to see it in here and then I'm going to show you one potential drawback. Here we go. Genesis chapter 11. Now the whole earth had one language and one speech. Verse 2. And it came to pass as they journeyed from the east that they found a plain plain in the land of Shinar and they dwelt there. That would be modern day Iraq. That's kind of the geographical location there. Verse three. Then they said to one another, come, let us make bricks and bake them thoroughly. And they had bricks for stone and they had asphalt for mortar. This is advanced here. Verse four. And they said, come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower whose top is in the heavens and let us make a name for ourselves lest we be scattered abroad over the face of the whole earth now now something happens right here so they're together They're unified. They've got same vision, same strategy, the executional plans. They're they're, they're working hand in hand. One is making this. The other one's making that. There's there's a lot of synergy that's taking place here. Now watch verse 5. Verse 5. But the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the sons of men had built. So the Lord is looking and evaluating this. And now God makes an assessment. Verse six, and the Lord said, indeed the people are what? Say it, one, and they all have one language. They're together, one voice, one speech, one vision, one strategy, one plan. And this is what they began to do. Now, nothing, that they propose to do will be withheld from them. That's God's evaluation on the power of unity that is resident within human beings when they pull together. It's God's evaluation. It's not man's evaluation, it's God's evaluation. He said they had one vision, one voice, one speech, one language, and because of that, they're all on the same page. Nothing that they attempt to do together because of the synergistic power of of humans getting on the same page, nothing they propose to do will be withheld. Verse seven, come, let us go down. And there confuse their language that they may not understand one another's speech. Last verse, verse eight. So the Lord scattered them abroad from there over the face of the whole earth and they ceased building the city. One more verse, interesting, here's the word. Therefore, its name is called what? Say it, Babel. Because there the Lord confused their language of all the earth, and from there the Lord scattered them abroad over the face of the earth. Okay, what's happening here? Was it far into the life of the development of the human race where human beings tapped into this this principle, this, this resident principle of synergy, of, 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 unity and the amazing possibilities that are resident within that. You know, it's interesting. I've, um, I, I, I enjoy, I enjoy listening to all different types of speakers. Oh, of course, pastors, preachers, you know, I want to learn and get better because that's what I do professionally, but I also enjoy just different speakers and the content and different speaking styles. And, and, um, it's interesting whenever you listen to different motivational speakers and some would be Christian, some would, you know, like a Zig Ziglar, you know, he taught Sunday school to a Baptist church. I mean, uh, and, and he was, he was very, very open about his personal faith, very open about his, his faith in, in, in Christ and, and, uh, and yet he would teach in different contexts. And, 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 and so some being Christian, but some that are not Christian that I know that are not Christian based upon their own testimony that teach principles. That's what I'm about to say. They'll teach principles whether they know it or not, whether they acknowledge it or not, some of the principles that they're teaching are actually found in the Bible and, they can ta- and you, can tap into, you can tap into success principles based upon things that God designed in his universe, whether you realize they came from God or not. Whether you acknowledge it came from the Bible. Let me give you an example. If somebody says, well, I don't believe in the law of gravity. Did God design the law of gravity in the universe, yes or no? Yes. It doesn't matter whether or not you don't believe in that. If you jump off of this stage, which I get close to at times, people say, Pastor, you get so close. I know. I know. I, I, and if I get real close and almost slip, I try to act cool like it didn't happen. But if I jump off of this stage, it doesn't matter if I don't believe in it or if nobody's ever taught me or if I was sleeping in sixth grade physical science class, I'm going to participate in that. Does that make sense? It's gonna happen, why? Because it's, it's, it's built into the universe in the same way. Whether somebody knows the Bible or scripture, whether they acknowledge God, Jesus Christ, it doesn't matter if they tap into some of these principles of one mind, one voice, one heart, one passion, they can accomplish great things, but there's a caveat. And the caveat is the motive. Because God looked at all these people and he said, they got one voice. It's not to suggest that that, that they didn't have unique perspectives. Of course they did. But they they were on the same page. And they had the same goals. And they had the same strategy. Remember, vision is where we're going. Strategy is how we're going. Execution is when we're going. They were all together. They knew where they were going. They're going to build this tower. This is how we're going to do it. We're doing it now. But they had a motive problem. And the motive problem was to bring glory to themselves. The motive problem was it was about them. The motive problem was at the end of the day, it was for their glory and man's glory and not God's glory. So the very principles they were tapping into that was providing a measure of success actually was the very thing they were not acknowledging that came from God. They said to make a name for ourselves. So natural unity, very powerful, businessmen and women. When you have a team and you get people on the same page and there's a clear vision and that Strategy is how we're going to do this. And everybody understands their part and their role and their function. And everybody's working together. It's amazing to see. It's amazing to see in sports teams when they do it. I, I mentioned last week, I, I love football. I, I, I enjoy football. There's, there's other sports that are inferior. But there's other sports that are, I'm just playing. I, but, but there's, for instance, basketball, amazing sport. It's really cool to see because it's fast. It's fast. Five people on the court at a, at a time. And boom, one passes, one is it's, it's amazing, to, it's amazing to see unity. And everybody knows what's the goal to score the basket. How are we gonna do it? We've got a plan. John Maxwell, who's a great author, who's a pastor and for many, many years, and he's been a mentor of, of mine. and he, he wrote this down about the power of unity. He said, unity is the glue that holds the team together. It really is. In part, by reducing competitiveness among its players. When people share a common goal, they have the mindset of, watch this, watch this, completing one another rather than competing against one another. In other words, they look for ways to make the other person better instead of trying to outshine one another. You you know that's true in a marriage. But when a husband and a wife understand that they have a complementary set of gifts there, where one is strong, the other one's weak, and one is weak, the other one's strong, and you, co- watch this, and you complete ra- ra- rather than compete, and, and they're fighting, whether it's in a team, whether it's in a community, whether it's in a nation. We see a completing set of gifts that we work together, working towards a common goal. It's powerful. It's natural unity. In no way would I decry the power of that. In no way would I diminish that. And I do believe with all of my heart, according to Scripture, according just to natural laws, if you get on the same page and have the same heart and the same vision, I'm telling you, you can accomplish great things. But what is your motive? What is your motive to build that big business? What is your motive to fill in the blank? At the end of the day, at the end of the rainbow, Is it, is it for your glory? See, natural unity can produce big results, but the caveat is, there's a a drawback. It only can go so far. Let's contrast that with another unity. Acts chapter two, Acts chapter two. I wanna talk to you about supernatural unity. Natural, we can do all that stuff without God. Supernatural brings in another dimension. This brings in the God dimension. Whole different dynamic. It's an added dimension. Acts chapter two, similar principles, different outcome. When the day of Pentecost, by the way, uh, Genesis, very first book of the Bible, now we're in the New Testament, the book of Acts, which actually is the 30 years, uh, the first 30 years, the recording of the church. Okay, that's what this is. Let me give you the scene. The scene is Acts chapter one. Jesus, Jesus will, of course, end of the gospels. He's crucified. He was buried. He rose again on the third day the Bible talks about. And he was alive on earth in his resurrected body. He was alive on earth in his resurrected body for a certain amount of days. And, and, and the very last moment that he has with his disciples is on the Mount of Olives. Acts chapter one, and and he meets, and he's got his 11 disciples, not 12. Judas had hung himself, and there he is. And and, and here's what he says, here's what he says. He says, go, he gives them a purpose. Everybody say purpose. The purpose is to spread the gospel, but he says, I'm not gonna give you this purpose without giving you the power to accomplish that purpose. How many of y'all grateful that when God gives you the purpose, he gives you the power and the equipment to fulfill that purpose? Are y'all grateful for that? I'm grateful for that. So here it is. He says, I'm giving you a purpose. It's to spread my gospel, but I'm going to give you the needed power to accomplish that goal. So here it is. He's on the earth for 40 days, 40 days after the resurrection. He tells Acts chapter 1, the 11 disciples, they apparently grab 111 other people. There's 120 people, 11 guys, and they see Jesus, what's called the ascension, He ascends to the Father. This is all Acts chapter one. He ascends to the Father. These 11 plus 109 other ones are, yeah, or whatever. It's early. And so they go up, 120 people. I was a liberal arts major. And so they go up and it's 120 people. And they're all praying. And they're waiting for the power. Jesus said, hey, 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 hey. Don't leave without the power. And it's interesting that some of the similar principles of Genesis 11, the first principle, the second principle, the third principle, but an added principle, an added dimension, some of the same ones that we find in Genesis 11 or in Acts chapter 2. But there's one big difference. Watch this. Acts chapter 2, verse 1. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, this is 50 days after uh, the, the, the crucifixion. Passover, psh, 50 days later. Penta means five. It's 50 days. Jesus was alive 10 days on the earth, or or 40 days, this is 10 days they've been waiting, they've been praying, 120 people, they're praying, they're praying, they're praying. Boom, Acts chapter two, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with, everybody say it, one accord, in one place. Verse two, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Verse three, then there appeared to them divided tongues as a fire and one sat upon each of them. Verse four, here it is. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Interesting. There's there's this experience now with these disciples and an additional crew, all right? Another 109 people And they're all praying, and they're all crying out to God. And the Bible says they're in one accord. And they're crying out. They're praying for 10 days, and their hearts are are, are getting closer and closer, and they're connected, and they're connected. Interesting. Genesis chapter 11, God confused their language. As a matter of fact, that city in Genesis chapter 11 was called Babel. Babel. Do you know what the actual definition of Babel, what it actually means? It means confusion. Babel's the root, it's the the root word of where Babylon comes from. Isn't that interesting? By the way, book of Genesis, Babylon, Babylon shows up in Genesis, I I mean in Revelation, all throughout the Bible. And it's never equated with good things. It's a world system that's designed by man for the glory of man. God divided man's language. So it's been thousands of years And watch what happens. The Holy Spirit's poured out, and the Bible says, like a rushing mighty wind comes in, and like divided tongues of fire is resting upon each of them, and they begin to speak in tongues, and speak in a language, and there's a uniting, and there's a coming together, and it was awesome, and it was powerful. And the Bible says, Peter, one of the apostles, stands up, and he begins to preach, and they spill out onto the street, and all these thousands of people were in Jerusalem for the Feast of Pentecost. And he jumps up and starts preaching. He starts talking about what's going on, that the Holy Spirit's being poured out. And this is that which Joel was talking about. And the interesting thing is, the Bible says all of the people heard them speak in their own language. What's the point? God divided their language in Genesis chapter 11. God united their language in Acts chapter 2. God united them. The difference was, the difference was, Genesis chapter 11 was about the glory of man. Genesis X chapter 2 was about the glory of God. Why do we want a good marriage? Why do we want a great nation? Why do we want to have a great church? Why do we want to have a great business? Why do we want to have a great... You fill in the blank. Is it for the glory of man or for the glory of God? I put a grid down. I designed this grid this week. It's just a grid. Starting place, Genesis 11, natural unity. Starting place, Acts 2, supernatural unity. The product of man. The product of the Holy Spirit. Genesis 11, the posture of striving. We're going to do this on our own. We're going to make a name for ourselves. The posture of Acts chapter 2. We're going to wait on God. We're going to to do our part, but God's going to do His part. We're going to believe for the supernatural. Motivation, self-seeking. Motivation, God-seeking. Outcome, confusion and division. Acts chapter 2. Outcome, peace, gospel, and supernatural unity. The solution to the problem of humanity is not to glorify man, it's to glorify God because only God can change the heart and produce supernatural unity. Only God can do that. Only God can do that. Let me give you three ways that we can walk in supernatural unity. Three, here we go. Y'all ready? Number one or A, how do we walk in supernatural unity? This is how we do it because I want to be, look, I'm not, I'm, I'm not, I'm not putting down natural unity. There's principles there, but there's one that's massively huh, skewed in, in relation to this side. How, oh, Pastor, I want to walk in supernatural. I want my marriage to experience supernatural unity. I, I'm a businessman or woman. I, I, I want to I develop. A, I, I want to I I be this. I want to develop a, a healthy team. I, I want a I community. How do I do it? Ah. <sighs> put Christ first. Put Christ first. And I'm going to address the business world because, well, pastor, you know what? I'm a business person. I mean, my gosh, what am I going to do there? I got a team. I'm a sales manager, pharmaceutical company. I'm going to say, hey, we're all going to pray in the name of Jesus. Is that what we're going to do? Hey, well, listen, you may not be able to do that there, but they better know that you have a faith in the name of Jesus. There's nothing wrong with that. Somebody told me, like, oh, pastor, you know, time out, time out, time out. My faith is private, not according to the Bible. Your faith is personal. But how do you let, you remember the song, this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Don't let Satan poof it out. I'm going to let it shine. <laughs> Are you with me? We've been so boxed up if we're believers. You can have a faith. People can know that you love God. Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. Here we go. But seek ye what? Say it. First. Seek first the kingdom of God. Put Christ first in your marriage. Put Christ first in your relationship. Put Christ first in whatever it is that you do. People need to know, I've put Christ first. I put Christ first. He's not second. He's not third. He's not fourth. I tried everything else. I tried Boomtown Casino. It didn't work. Let me try Jesus. How about put Christ first? It's amazing how he's often the last resort for people. Well, let me try, I've tried everything else. Seek ye first, here it is, the scripture. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. I put Christ first, let's put Christ first in our family. Let's put Christ first. I know what happens when, when I'm not putting Christ first, and I'm not talking about, putting Christ first doesn't mean you live for God or against God, It just it's an issue of priority. Somebody asked me one time, pastor, do you pray in the morning or in the night or at nighttime before you go to bed? I'm like, look, here's the deal. I'm not that good. So if you want to get, can I say this in church? If you want to get beat up all day long and right before you go to bed, say your prayers. That's up to you. (laughs) I need wisdom and check in from headquarters like early on because I need wisdom for the day. How many of y'all appreciate God's voice early in the morning? By the way, I'm gonna teach first or second week of January. I'm gonna talk, what does it mean to live a God-first life in your time, your talent, your treasure, putting God first, everybody say, "See God first. See, here's what happens when you put God first, it actually pro- provides an atmosphere where God's spirit invades and it produces the ingredients of supernatural unity. It's powerful. You can feel the vision you can feel it in your stomach living in a community that's divided, a home that's divided. You can feel it. You walk into like, ah! church that's divided. You can feel it going into a church like, it's division. But you can also feel supernatural unity. You can feel the peace and presence of Christ. Yeah. When I, I, I graduated from college in 1991, Bible school in 1993, and went to seminary after Bible school. And when I graduated in 1993 from Bible school, I went, to, I went to Asia for three months. I was thinking about maybe I'm gonna be a missionary. And, and I led a team for a month. And then for two months, I was just in Asia, visiting different countries and preaching. And I had some contacts. and I, I mean, as a matter of fact, I remember I was in Bangkok, Thailand. I took a train down. It, it was like a 12-hour train ride. And you take a boat across Thailand to Sumatra, Indonesia. And I remember I, I had one... Um, not an email, but there was a fax that was sent from an alumni from the school where I went that knew a person that was in uh, Indonesia, a guy that spoke very, 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 very little English. And the guy that I knew who lived in Bangladesh at the time said, this guy's going to be there. We've got the time. We've got there." And it, 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 I mean, you know, when you're t- 22, 23, I just like, I'm just thinking to myself, what if I would have got there and he wasn't there? This is before cell phones for email and i just got off the boat and i just in my heart i felt like this is what i was supposed to do and i got there and the guy was holding up a sign and it and and it it said it it was a very poorly spelled steve robinson but i'm like i'll take it I, i just like i just s and an r anywhere i'll just do it we get on the back of his moped and and we're, and, we're, and we're going just all of two weeks in, in, in Indonesia and I'm preaching these little churches and I get up in the mountains and, and we go into this church and, and they start singing. Of course, I don't speak Indonesia. I, I don't, you know, and, 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 and so, and they start singing a song. I don't know any of the words, but I recognize the tune. And then all of a sudden, they just started lifting their hands and just singing out to God and it was like, I was able to just step into that experience, even though I didn't know Indonesian. I I, I knew I I, I knew the, the 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 there was there was there was there was a there was a, there was a connecting with that song in a glorifying, and, and I looked around and I felt connected to everybody there. I'd never seen them before. I was a different nationality. I was different. I was different. Everything, but we had all put Christ first and the room was filled with God's presence. Put Christ first in your home. Put Christ first in whatever you're involved with. Don't be ashamed of who Christ is to you. I know that you can't just make everybody live, but, but, but they need to know that you've put God first in your life. I love Hobby Lobby and Hobby Lobby, yeah, I was supposed to be this week, I was unable to go to the, the, uh, the Museum of the Bible that was opened up uh, Tuesday in Washington, DC. Billion dollars they paid, Hobby Lobby, family owned business. 14,000 employees, 700 stores. They put a billion dollars of their personal family money into building the Museum of the Bible right in Washington, D.C. Listen, they're unashamed. We put Christ first. We put Christ first. Number two, oh gosh, I got to finish. Number two, here we go. B, talking about supernatural unity. Own your part. Own your part. Own your part, stay with me, i got five minutes. You and I have a responsibility to take responsibility. I wrote this down, one of the biggest things that can undermine supernatural unity is not owning our part when we wrong someone in a relationship. You're in a marriage, you're putting God first, but then you hurt somebody, you say something, listen, we're human beings. Like somebody said one time, I'm looking for a perfect church. They literally told me that at a newcomer's dinner. I'm like, please don't come to Church of the King. Because it's where we're imperfect. But we've got, we've got biblical ways of responding when we are Imperfect. See, you, you're in a relationship, you're in a family, you're in a church, you're in a business, you're in whatever it is, and something happens, you disappoint somebody, somebody said something, you say something, and, and, and now there's this like, you can feel it, Division's trying to get in there, it's trying, it's trying to work its way in there, and you've got to make a decision. Romans chapter 12, here it is, I love this. Last week I said, if it is possible, as much as it depends upon God, it's not what that says. Well, if God wants to repair it, God will do it. Really? Of course God wants to repair it. Well, I'm just waiting for God. Whoa, 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 whoa. Have you sent the email? Have you gone to their house? Have you made the call? Have you? As much as it depends upon you, we've got a part to play in this. Now, we can't change somebody's heart, but we can, posi- we can position our heart in the right place towards them. Live peaceably with all men. Let me give you a couple things here that will really help you walk in supernatural because you're gonna disappoint people, and, and, and I'm gonna disappoint people, and, and we're gonna say something we didn't say right and here it is, you guys ready? Here it is. Let me give you three things that will literally transform an environment and invite God's presence, and it'll be so powerful. Here it is, three words. These are deep theological words. Number one, I'm sorry. Two, I was wrong. Three, please forgive me. Can we just say that? Uh, I'm sorry, I was wrong, please forgive me. The count of three, ready? One, two, three. I'm sorry, I was wrong, please forgive me. It's amazing how hard that is to say sometimes. It's amazing. And we are skilled, aren't we? We are so sophisticated. By the way, I'm sorry is not good enough. It's not good enough. Listen to me, it's not good enough. Because you can say, I'm sorry. You know what, most people, you know, we've all done this before. I'm sorry that you perceived that I was injurious to you. Basically, you're an insecure brat. I didn't mean it, but you read into it. Hold on one second. That's really good preaching, Pastor. That's really good. That's real. You know, I'm sorry. It's weak alone. It's weak. It's a start. It's an hors d'oeuvre. It's an appetizer. It's spinach dip. <laughs> it's all it is. Get your foot in the door. I'm sorry. This is funny. I don't care what anybody says. <laughs> you guys ready? Number two. Oh, 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 oh. I was wrong. Admission of guilt. I was wrong. I- I'm sorry. I was I- I was. I was wrong. Ah, you're owning it. It's it's becoming, you're owning it. It's not their insecurity. It's not their skewed perception based upon the fact when they were in the sixth grade, a coach made fun of them. Therefore, they read into any other ulterior. Are you with me? I was wrong. Please forgive me. Give me another chance. How many are grateful that God does not wipe us off the earth and gives us another chance. Are y'all are y'all, I'm grateful. Okay. When you do that, when you do that, when you do that, whew, it gives an opportunity for God's presence. Oh man, yeah. Sorry, I was wrong. Please just forgive me. I um I have two jobs. My first job is I'm a professional repenter. <laughs> I've learned how to repent. I really mean that. I, I don't like how it feels when I'm not right with people. Do do you like that? I don't like it. It's like I got to get this right, and as much as I can. And and I know as a pastor, I know as a leader, everybody you know, they take, everybody takes different thoughts about me out. When they, you know, what does he mean? What's going on? Was him and Jennifer. Yeah. Just listen. As much as it depends on me. If I've wronged somebody, I want to make it right. How about you? Why? Because I want God's supernatural power, and I want to walk in you. I want to do everything I can. I'll do my part. God does his part, and it's a different atmosphere. Let me give you this third and final thing. We'll close. i got one minute. Sow good seeds. Sow good seeds. Wherever you go, water the lives of those around you with your words, with your action. Sow kindness. Sow goodness. Lift people. Honor people. Care for people. Do good deeds. Blow wind in people's sails. Be a lifter. Lift people, lift people, lift people. Sow good seeds. You're all sowing seeds. If I plant orange seeds, what do I get? Say it. If I plant apple seeds, what do I get? If I plant nothing, what do I get? Weeds. I got you. No, you're planting. We're planting. We've got the choice to plant good seeds. Good seeds. What are you doing? You're building into unity. You're building in, you're creating atmospheres in your home with your words. You're, you're creating it in the church. You're creating it in the community. Atmosphere, atmosphere of unity, atmosphere, atmosphere, God's presence, An atmosphere, and atmosphere in your work, wherever it is. Yeah, I wanna be a part. I wanna be a part of that team. I wanna be a part of that vision. I wanna be a part of that strategy. I wanna be a part of that. How about you guys? You, you wanna be a part of that? Come on, let's stand.